book is so awesome. I can do anything. This book is so awesome. I am the potions king. Did you hear that half book prince? I said I was the king. Can you hear me, Professor Snape? I can make anything. This book is so awesome. Hi, my name is Joel Watson. And I'm Lily Watson. And you're listening to Potter and Daughter, the Harry Potter podcast, where I talk to my eight-year-old daughter as she reads through the Harry Potter series of books. We are starting a new book. Book number six. What's it called, Lily? Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. And I know we talked briefly about to what that title may refer. What What were your ideas about who or what may be the Half-Blood Prince? Maybe Voldemort could be. And why would it be interesting if Voldemort were to be called the Half-Blood Prince? Because he is half-blood, but the thing he thinks is the only kind of wizard or which to be respected is a pure-blood. Yeah, so he's not a pure-blood. He may pretend to be. It. We never... I don't think we know if his followers know his blood status. And it would be interesting if he, even as the heir of Salazar Slytherin, even somebody, uh, you know... Who, who may come from a long line of, of pure blood wizards is not themselves a pure blood, but somehow still claims to be the purest of pure bloods. I don't know. I just wonder what the death eaters and what the dark wizards at large think of Voldemort's parentage, or if they know of it, or if he's kept it a secret, maybe that's why he killed his father. Maybe no one else knows his name except for Dumbledore and Harry. Lots of things to think about there. Uh, our first chapter Chapter one, the other minister. To what or to whom does the other minister refer? Um, the new minister of magic, Rufus Scrimger. Not quite. This refers to the muggle minister. Oh, I thought it referred to them both. No. Uh, the, saying, the saying here is that wizards refer to the minister for magic as the minister, but muggles have the other minister, the one that... In our world, at least, in the wizard world, doesn't really matter. The the goings-on and the laws of muggles don't actually have any effect on wizards, or so we are led to believe. So the way, and we know, we, we realize sort of how they are perceived, how muggles are perceived by the wizards, uh, by how Scrimjaw treats the minister. So we open on the muggle prime minister uh, in his office, and how does the new wizard uh, minister for magic, Rufus Scrimjaw, appear to him? In the fireplace. Yeah, he just kind of poofs up behind him. D- does he? Doesn't he get a? Doesn't he get an owl or a letter beforehand announcing? I think it says something like, "We must meet," or "We need to have a meeting." Hmm. Something like that does happen because I remember there being a a, a pre announcement of. Scrimjaw's arrival. So Scrimjaw shows up and he's got someone in tow. Who who is his assistant on this trip? Um, I believe that it's Cornelius. Yeah, it's Cornelius Fudge. And what what is different about Cornelius Fudge being a sort of a lackey to someone in power? How do, how do you think that how do you think Fudge feels about that? 
probably not too happy that he lost his power as Minister of Magic, but glad that he at least still has a job at the ministry. I wonder. I wonder if, you know, we know that Fudge was obsessed with power. We know that he was obsessed with people respecting him and or maybe even fearing him. Um, I don't know if I don't know if he was motivated by that kind of fear, but he he definitely wanted to be the highest of the high in the wizarding government world, and he wanted to maintain that at all costs. So much so that he denied all the evidence of Voldemort's return. Now that it's fact, now that everyone knows for certain that Voldemort has returned, obviously he was swept out of office pretty quick. I, I think it's safe to say that. The wizarding world has lost confidence in Fudge. And Scrimjaw has just got him around as an assistant. So I wonder if he's happy to have a job or if he's just humiliated that he has to help someone else do the job that he wants, you know? Hmm. So why are they there to meet with the Muggle Minister? Because I believe that there was, it seems that there was a hurricane somewhere. But it wasn't really a hurricane. What was it? I believe it was Death Eaters. Yeah, some Death Eaters attacked Muggles. They swooped in and blew up a bunch of Muggle buildings, I think. They may have even killed some Muggles. And normally, all wizards, good and bad, stay away from Muggles and keep their existence a total secret. There's all kinds of you know, departments in the Ministry of Magic dedicated to making sure that Muggles just never find out about them. So these Death Eaters did this attack, and part of the cover-up was saying it was a hurricane and it was a natural disaster. But Scrimjaw is here to tell you, obviously, the Minister already knows that's not the case, but does Scrimjaw have any have any other real message for him or... What's the purpose of the visit? Do you remember? Mm, other than that, no. He's basically there to say it's gonna, it's getting bad, and we're going to need to coordinate more often. There are going to be more attacks. More of our world is going to bleed into your world, whether we like it or not. And do you remember what the Muggle Minister asks him? About being a wizard? Uh-uh. He says, you can do magic. Why, can't you do anything? Can't you, can't you solve this? And then he replies, do you remember what Scrimjaw says? Mm-mm. Unfortunately, Minister, the other side can do magic too. Oh. Which is to say... It doesn't matter if we have all this power. All of our enemies also have all this power. So we're really in the same boat as you. You know, you've got guns and bombs and your enemies have guns and bombs. We've got wands and spells and our enemies have wands and spells. So it doesn't really matter that we can do all sorts of magical things. I do think it's interesting that the Muggle minister knows about wizards and about magic, right? Yeah. Do you think he's one of the few? Yes. I would assume that when you take the office of president or prime minister or whatever, that someone probably comes in with a secret envelope and opens it up and says, by the way, 
witches, wizards, warlocks, monsters, they're all real. You're going to get a call from soon. Yeah. Someone special is going to call you. We don't know how many wizards live in America. It seems like maybe not that many. I think there's only one wizarding school in America, maybe. If that, that we've heard about, and not even in the books. Um, so there might not even be a wizard president in America. There might not be enough of them to actually vote or care. It seems like they tend to stay in Europe. And I wonder if it's because Europe is much older in terms of civilization than America is. So, uh, We should also point out here that Scrimjaw is a man of few words. He... He says he kind of dismisses the muggle minister. He says, uh, you'll be hearing more from us, but it probably won't be me. I'm very busy. You'll probably be hearing from one of my associates like Fudge here. Again, further pointing out that Fudge has a lowered position, right? Yes. Something I'm sure he's not too pleased about. So, you know, they, they head out... Um, Scrimjaw discusses tighter, or before they head out, Scrimjaw d- discusses that there'll be tighter security for the Muggle Prime Minister and mentions that Kingsley Shacklebolt will be working in a new position to protect. So they're actually like having one of their top oars stick around the Muggle Prime Minister just to make sure he's alive. <laughs> uh, do you think Voldemort would stand to gain from attacking or, or possibly killing? powerful muggles at this point maybe or maybe not what would how would it help him if the muggle world was in peril or if it was in confusion i mean do you think he wants to rule the wizarding world or do you think he wants to rule the world probably the world yeah so at some point he would have to make himself known to all muggles really he he intends, he intends to enslave them. He thinks a muggle's rightful place is in servitude of a wizard. And just above a muggle is a half-blood or a muggle-born or something like that. So in his final vision, maybe years down the road, muggles are, are in on it. You know, They're, They understand that Voldemort is their master. So he's probably going to start dismantling muggle governments as time goes by. Chapter two, Spinner's End. What is Spinner's End? A thing or a place? What is that? Spinner's End? I I think it's either a place or a thing. (laughs) Well, that's what I just asked you. Is it a thing or a place? You can't say I think it's a a place or a thing. (laughs) It's a neighborhood. Uh, Whose neighborhood is it? Um, Snape's, I believe. Do you remember anything that is said about Spinner's End that is unusual for Snape to live there? It's a muggle neighborhood. Yeah, it's a muggle neighborhood. Does Snape seem like the kind of guy that would want to live amongst muggles? (laughs) No. It's interesting. It says a lot about his character. Um, First of all, if it's a family house, that would mean that he was possibly muggle-born, or at least half-blood, or something. Why would Voldemort 
put trust in, and we're going to, we're going to get into this trust in just a minute here, but why would Voldemort put trust into a non pureblood if he's not? Secondly, does it say that Snape is so uncomfortable around other wizards that he would rather be surrounded by muggles knowing that he doesn't really have to deal with them? Is it a way for him to just be alone? I don't think it says. I'm asking you, what do you think? Oh, um. Do you think he wants to just be left alone by everyone? Or do you think it might be that he is in an old family house that has always, and he comes from muggles? I think, uh, I think it was probably that it was um, a way for him to get away from the wizards, but also somewhere where he wouldn't be completely alone with nobody, absolutely nobody. So if he really wanted to be alone, he could just have a house out in the middle of a field, kind of like the burrow, right? Yeah. Of course, no one at the burrow is ever alone. <laughs> but still, Snape, Snape seems to enjoy solitude, or at least seems to put put himself in solitude, whether he enjoys it or not. Two people are approaching Snape's house at Spinner's End. Do you remember who they are? Um, two of the Death Eaters that are sisters. And do you remember who they are? Narcissa Lestrange. Not quite. Wait. Narcissa Malfoy. Narcissa Malfoy now. It's Draco's mother. Yeah. Narcissa Malfoy and... This is the name you always have trouble with. Yeah. Bellatrix. Bellatrix. So Bellatrix and Narcissa are sisters. They're coming to Snape uh, in need. Wormtail is also there. Uh, Voldemort has this ordered Wormtail to be Snape's assistant. Snape sends them away. At this point, are you, because you just read this, are you confused now? Do you Does it seem like Snape is working for Voldemort? Yeah, at least for something. The last we heard of Snape having anything to do with Voldemort was during the trial, during book four, where Dumbledore says he worked as a double agent. He was really on our side, or he was on Snape's, he was on Voldemort's side. He defected to our side, but that he acted as a spy. So he really was a Death Eater for some indeterminate amount of time. And then he became a double agent, and his true allegiance seemed to be with Dumbledore. Now he's got two Death Eaters, or at least a Death Eater and the wife of a Death Eater, (laughs) at his house asking for favors. Uh, And immediately they start talking about the Dark Lord's plans, Bellatrix is accusing him of not being faithful to the Dark Lord. She wants uh, proof that he's faithful to the Dark Lord. How do you feel about this? I mean, it seems like at least he's either pretending or he really is a Death Eater again. You know, honestly, since he's been both, I really cannot tell. (laughs) What do you think is more likely? Well, it does say somewhere in one of the books that Voldemort can tell like 99.99% of the time if if somebody's lying to him. Yeah, during his interrogation, basically, by Bellatrix, 
He says the Voldem- that Voldemort charged Snape with staying at Hogwarts to spy on Dumbledore. Perhaps that's what he's been doing for all five books now. Spying on Dumbledore, not necessarily not necessarily killing Harry, but not helping him. So was he ever on the good side in the first place? We do not know at this point. There is <laughs> like evidence for both. He also mentions, he's like, you think I'm lying to the Dark Lord? Like you said, you can't lie to the Dark Lord. He's the most powerful legilimens in the ever. world. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows what everyone's thinking. If Snape is lying to Voldemort, that means he's the most powerful Occlumens in the world. Because he is able to block his thoughts from someone who can read everyone's thoughts. Yeah. So there's a lot of mystery now. And the, and the books doesn't explain it to you like, by the way, Snape seems to be evil now. You're just supposed to infer <laughs> from these conversations that he's at least He's definitely 100% in communication with Voldemort. He's 100% at least pretending to be Voldemort's servant. But we do not know where his true allegiance lies. At all. Yeah, this is... uh, It's certainly the beginning of a lot of questions and a lot of confusion. He mentions that he did not seek out the Dark Lord during those years he was missing because he believed him dead for good, right? Yes. And everyone else said the same thing. All the other Death Eaters said the same thing. It's not that we weren't loyal to you. It was that we truly thought, believed you were dead. We thought you were gone. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, as they be- keep talking, they have a, they have a, a, a request of Snape. What is Narcissa Malfoy concerned about? Um, since um, Lucius is a Death Eater and he's the father of Draco, I believe Voldemort believes Draco to be evil too. So he has assigned Draco a job for him. And they mentioned that. And Snape says, yes, I know the Dark Lord's plan for Draco. No one tells us what it is. What do Why you think? Why can't you tell us? Why? Well, you've got Draco Malfoy at Hogwarts. And he's being instructed by the Dark Lord to do something. What is the most likely thing Draco has been instructed to do? Probably to do something around Harry. I would imagine it's probably to kill Harry. Otherwise, why wouldn't he have a more powerful wizard do it? Draco has more access to Harry, right? Yes. Unless one of the teachers at Hogwarts is evil again. Well, Snape might be. So, Lucius is an Azkaban. So, whatever the, the chore is, they can't get him to do it. But Narcissa has some fears about this plan. She thinks that perhaps the Dark Lord has assigned Draco this task, whatever it may be, as punishment. Do you remember that? Yes. What does she think, or who or how does she think they are being punished? She might 
I think that she might believe that that's punishment because, um, I lost it. <laughs> you lost what you were trying to say? Yeah. She's afraid that the Dark Lord is punishing Lucius for getting caught and for failing to retrieve the prophecy by setting his son up for a task that will end in his death. Because Draco is not very powerful. He's not super smart. (laughs) No. So it really seems unlikely that if this is an important job that has to be done, that the most powerful dark wizard would entrust a child who is neither powerful or smart to do it. Uh, it's, it's important to point out that at one point in this chapter, Snape says, if he has forbidden it, you ought not to speak. The dark Lord's word is law. (laughs) That, that really seems to be him stating his allegiance. The once and for all to the dark Lord. I mean, either that or he's really lying to, to Narcissa and Bellatrix. Like, really good. Narcissa says, then I am right. He has chosen Draco in revenge. He does not mean him to succeed. He wants him to be killed trying. So she she does believe that they're being set up to fail. What does she ask Snape to do? She asks him to, to promise that if... Well, hang on. There's a name for it. What is the name of the thing he has to do? The unbreakable vow. The unbreakable vow. And what now? What does that mean? Um, it means that you have like, it is literally a spell that prevents you from, um, from breaking a promise. And how does it prevent you from breaking a promise? Do you know? No. If you break the promise, you die. Oh. So. What has, what is the, what, what vow has she asked him to make? I think it's something like, if Rico cannot deceive, um, succeed, you, will you take over for him or something? Yeah, she says, will you, Severus, watch over my son, Draco, as he attempts to fulfill the Dark Lord's wishes? I will. And... Then she says something like, and if he is unable to complete the task, will you then do it yourself? So now, if Snape is lying to them, if he is faithful to Dumbledore, but let's say, for instance, Draco has been tasked with killing Harry. Snape has just promised to help Draco kill Harry or whatever. And then he's promised to do it himself if Draco can't. It's safe to say that whatever Voldemort has asked Draco to do, it's not good, right? And it's probably got something to do with Harry. So Snape has made an unbreakable vow to make sure this terrible thing happens to the best of his ability. It sounds like he is on the side then of Voldemort. The only way he's not is if he panicked and knew that if he did not make the unbreakable vow, they would know he was lying. But now he's stuck. So if he's really good, he's in a really bad position. And if he's really bad, 
he's got to do something really bad. No matter what, it seems like the outcome of his next actions will be dire, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely heating up uh, for the, the stakes in terms of where his allegiance lies. Chapter three, will and won't. Harry's at the Dursleys, and he's there's a newspaper on the desk. He sees that Scrimjaw is the new, what do you call it? Uh, Minister of Magic. Magic. He used to be the head of the Auror office. So this is what really interesting. Instead of promoting a politician, they have promoted to the highest office in all of the wizarding world the person who was in charge of dark wizard hunting. Why do you think that is? It's the head of the order office. Yeah, why do you think they promoted him to be the minister instead of some other politician? Um, what skills might he have that the wizarding world requires above all else now? Scrimgeour? Yeah. Um, I guess since he was the head of the or office, he might know a lot of good spells, maybe? The thing is, what they're saying by electing the, the head of the Aurors as now the head of the entire wizarding government is that protection and fighting dark wizards is now the most important thing. It's not going to be about business as usual. It's about preparing for war. So we are taking our best dark wizard hunter and putting him in charge of everything. I doubt an or would normally get elected as, as minister for magic under normal circumstances, but the business of an or is now the business of the whole world since the dark wizards are, are returning to power. Uh, Harry sees some interesting literature around the house. There's uh, in the paper, it refers to him as the chosen one. So now instead of, you know, the liar and, and the, the boy who lives. yeah, he's now being, being more people, I guess, know about the prophecy and know that he is the one who must defeat Voldemort. There's also a leaflet from the ministry about protecting your home that is sort of suggesting like how to be safe because there's dark wizards everywhere. So it's it's clear now that everyone is on the same page for the most part. They all believe. Yeah. Uh, Dumbledore sent a letter to Harry telling that he can go to the burrow and then he arrives at... Uh, Privet Drive, how is he received by the Dursleys? Received? How do they welcome him? Um, they kind of don't. Yeah, they, they're they not welcoming to him. Uh, do you remember what he does with the drinks? Um, he gets drinks for them, um, and they pop in front of, uh, in front of their heads, and then, um... Dumbledore and Harry pick theirs up from the air, start drinking, and but the Dursleys don't want it because it came from a wizard spell, so they think it might be bad, because obviously they want nothing to do with anything wizard ever. Yeah. So um, the drinks 
it's like they're alive, so they're getting impatient, and then and they're like, "Come on, pick me up already!" because yeah. they're bumping against their heads. Yeah, and he makes them disappear, but says it would have been more polite to drink them. <laughs> so it seems like Dumbledore is having a bit of fun with the Dursleys, right? <laughs> he knows they're uncomfortable. They're probably terrified of him. He's also very upset with how they've been treating Harry. But he's got some important business to take care of. What does he tell them? What does he tell Harry about Sirius's will? Um, he tells him he has to accept two things, I believe. Okay. One of them is since Sirius is dead, um, and he is your godfather, he you you are technically the one who owns everything, like the ha- like. Number 12, Grimmauld Place and mm-hmm. stuff. So he has to accept that. Okay. Um, um, so he asks, um, do you want to own Grimmauld Place now? Um, or I believe, do you want to give it to some to somebody else? What he says is, you are now the owner of everything Sirius owned, including his house and all of his money. Safe to assume the Black family was probably pretty wealthy. Harry was already pretty wealthy. So Harry's like double wealthy now. He's like rich, rich. And he has a free house. He does (laughs) not want the house. I don't think he's thinking ahead about maybe I'll need somewhere to live in a couple of years. He might not even expect to be alive in a couple of years. But he doesn't want to live there. Can you think of why he doesn't want to live there? Because that's where Sirius lived, and I think he probably doesn't want to live in the place his godfather died. Not only that, that's true. I think he also may feel odd that it's a place that Sirius was unhappy when he escaped from his horrible family, and that there are remnants of his horrible family all throughout the house including an unremovable portrait of his horrible, horrible mother. There's lots of reasons that he might not want to live there. Uh, There is a problem, however, and that is that there may be a charm on the house instituted by the black family that only a pureblood can live there. And they're not sure if Harry qualifies. How do they test to find out if Harry is the inheritor of Sirius's will? Who do they call? They call somebody? Who do they bring? Who shows up? Yes. Why does bringing Creature allow them to test if Harry is now the owner of all of Sirius's things? He has to accept that if he owns all of Sirius's things, that includes Creature. Yeah, because as we've established, whether for better or worse, uh, house elves are slaves. And they're owned like property. This is the weirdest and grossest thing, perhaps, in all of the Harry Potter universe, is that otherwise good wizards seem to be totally okay with slavery, which is uh, pretty messed up. And I don't think it's something that... I don't think Harry fully understands that house elves are people yet. They're people? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) They're not animals. They're not... They're not of subhuman intelligence. They're not, I mean, they, they just don't know 
they're they don't know to want their freedom because they have been institutionalized into enjoying slavery for thousands of years. They're sort of like stubby green humans. <laughs> sure, I mean, whether, regardless of how they look, their minds are intact, and so they they don't even know to ask for it, but they do deserve to be individuals with freedom. So anyway, how does Harry determine whether or not he owns Creature? Um, he has to give Creature an order, and Creature must follow it. How does Creature react to that? Okay, so first, um, once he hears Dumbledore say, you must figure out if you want to own Creature or not, or if he is actually owned by you, um, when he comes in, he starts pulling his ears and saying, won't, 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 won't. And then Harry finally just loses it and says, Creature, why don't you shut up? And then he bangs his face on the floor and then starts having a silent fit on the floor. Yeah, he can't talk because he's been ordered by Harry, who is now his master, to shut up. <laughs> so Dumbledore is actually pleased by these results because it shows that Harry did inherit uh, everything that Sirius possessed. Um, he asks the Dursleys for one last favor, Dumbledore does, before they leave. Do you remember what that is? No. He asked them to please allow Harry to return until he turns 17, even though he would be like, it would be like halfway through the summer, I think, right? Because his birthday is in July, I think. Yes, yes, yes. So why is it important that he stays there for as long as possible? Or what happens when he turns 17? When he turns 17, the magic um, um, on the Dursley house is gone. Yeah, it's it, at that point, it's no more protective than anywhere else. So he's almost like saying... We want Harry to be here because it's the place that'll most likely keep him alive until the very last second. And then we want him to leave because why would anyone want to be here any longer than they had to? So I believe they agree. Uh, they're certainly not pleased about it. Uh, Dumbledore has a line for Harry here uh, that I like. He says, um, let me find it. And now Harry... Let us step out into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. Which I think is cool. Uh, because he is, he knows they're in a life and death circumstance, but he refers to it as adventure, as opposed to let's go probably get our heads blown off. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> chapter four, Horse Slughorn. Dumbledore travels with Harry in a way that we have not seen before. Do you remember what it's called? Apparition. Not just apparition, but side-along apparition. How do more than one wizard normally travel together to get to the same place? Flu powder? Or a port key. Oh. Both of those things require a group of wizards to sort of enter at the same spot and exit at the same spot, right? Yeah. They can't go exactly where they want to go. Like if I wanted to apparate to the kitchen, I'd have to I'd have to I could apparate to the kitchen. But if I wanted to go to 
the kitchen three houses down, I'd have to take the and, and take you with me. We'd have to go through the chimney, through the flue, out there flue, and then walk to the kitchen, right? Same thing. When the whole group wants to go to Diagon Alley, they can't show up in the store they want to be in. They have to pop out of a flue somewhere and then walk to the store they want to be in, right? Yeah. But if one guy wants to apparate from his living room to a store, he can just do that. Yeah. So I think this is saying if 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 two wizards can apparate together, why don't they always do that, right? Yeah. But I believe we are supposed to understand that because Dumbledore is the most powerful wizard in the world, he might be particularly good at something that is very difficult. Like, I can imagine two wizards trying to apparate together, and on the other side they pop up and they're all, you know, jammed into each other and their arms are all twisted inside each other's faces Ugh. and whatnot. You know, all kind of crazy David Cronenberg stuff. So David Cronenberg. Never mind. So it's probably a dangerous thing. Have you ever heard about splinging? Yes. I would imagine that that is a way, an easy way to get splinged is if you take like four people to one, hold hands and try and apparate together. I bet somebody's arm gets ripped off. <laughs> I've, I've always wondered um, if once you get splinched, um, like if you do, does your skin seal up or is it just blood everywhere? You will learn later what happens when someone gets splinched. Great. So... Yeah, it's... Why? Is it a spoiler? Well, no, I'm just saying it happens later, and you'll you'll see what happens. So, uh, but Dumbledore takes Harry on side-along apparition, which they don't explain, but I believe we were to understand is very difficult. They arrive at a village called Budley Babberton, and they're, they're on a mission. What is their mission at Budley Babberton? It's to try and recruit an old teacher. Yeah, Dumbledore wants to bring someone back to Hogwarts who used to teach at Hogwarts. They Dumbledore leads Harry into a house, and what is the state of the house when they get there? It's all messed up. It's not just messed up. It looks like there was a horrible fight. There's blood everywhere. The furniture's broken. Everything's bad. Everything on the shelves have been smashed. Yeah, and Dumbledore does not seem surprised. In fact, he seems rather calm. What does he do with the armchair in the middle of the room? He um, he takes his wand, um, turns it upside down, and then pokes it. What happens to that armchair? He's like, ow! Yeah, the armchair talks because... <laughs> He's like, whoa, in a live armchair? It's not actually an armchair. What is it? It's a person hiding in an armchair. Who is it? Horace Slughorn. Yeah, so the person they were looking for, this old teacher has disguised himself as an armchair and hidden in this house that, it turns out, wasn't actually destroyed. Uh, this is Slughorn's house, though. What does, he, what does he hope people will think when they see this house? That Death Theaters have attacked. And possibly taken or killed him, right? Yes. So what he's hoping is that if some Death Eaters show up, they'll be like, oh, I guess somebody already got him. He expects to be tracked down by Death Eaters is the point. But so, um, Dumbledore says, um, Af- Horace says, how, how did you know? Um, um, and Dumbledore said, well, for one, I, we would have seen the dog mark. 
Yeah, yeah. He he knew he knew what to look for to know that this was fake. He did this to scare people off, but it didn't scare off Dumbledore. And also, the the mayhem was not real. So they sort of pull out their wands and tidy up the house. All the furniture goes back together. All the broken pictures go back together. He mentions that he used dragon blood to simulate blood on the walls and the carpets and whatnot. And he uh, he also says he did all of that in like two minutes because he didn't hear his intruder alarm go off. I think it's safe to say that Dumbledore might have been able to defeat his intruder alarm, right? Yeah. So he's not living as an armchair all the time. He's living normally in his house, but he's ready to make it look Horrible. like he's gone if he needs to. Uh, Dumbledore, Dumbledore shows Slughorn his hand. What's different about Dumbledore's hand? It's all kind of burnt and flaky. Yeah, it's like a mummy hand. And what is he wearing on that hand? Um, is it a watch? No, it's a golden ring with a heavy black stone. Oh. So something's going on with Dumbledore. It's not explained. Slunghorn said he says he's not yet been visited or found by Death Eaters, but he's been on the move for over a year. Where has he been staying? He's been moving every week do you, from where to where. Do you remember? No. He's been staying in muggle houses where the muggles are on vacation. Oh, like he's renting out the house. No, he's just going into them while they're gone. Oh. He's not doing it with their permission. So we don't know how he's figuring out which muggles are on vacation and when they get back and whatever. We have no idea. But he's hiding. It's important to point out that he's been hiding for a year, which means... The ministry only agreed that Voldemort was back like less than a month ago. What does that say about Slughorn? He might have already known. It says he believed Harry and Dumbledore. When they said it a year ago, he didn't need any other proof. Dumbledore says it's true. I believe it. So again, as we've pointed out several times, There are people who, whether they agree with everything Dumbledore does or not, they trust him implicitly. They know he is not a liar. They know him by reputation to be trustworthy. So if Dumbledore says the Dark Lord's back, that's enough for Slughorn. He's out of town. He's gone. It's interesting that he's back at his own house, though, uh, and not still hiding at muggle places, because it seems like things are only getting worse, right? Yeah. Earlier, before they enter Slughorn's house, uh, Dumbledore gives Harry a sort of a warning about what kind of person Slughorn is and what he may try to do. Do you remember what he says? Uh-uh. What does Slughorn think about famous people? I don't think he really cares one way or another. Like- no, I have we not gotten to this yet? Do you, do you not remember where Dumbledore says he will try to collect you? No. Hmm. This might be later. Uh, I, I really did think it was now. It may not be. There's a reason, though, that he brought Harry. No, this is, this is where they explain this. Because Dumbledore 
pretends to go to the bathroom. I believe he's eavesdropping. And Slughorn has sort of a, a an alone conversation with Harry. And he mentions that he taught his mother and father. That he used to be the head of Slytherin. So if Slughorn was the head of Slytherin, perhaps Slytherin wasn't always so bad. Because he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He mentions that most of the students end up in the same house as their parents, but not since Sirius ended up in Gryffindor. But he mentioned, I got his brother Regulus. Mm. So we know that Regulus Black was a Slytherin. But they mentioned that he's speaking about these kids as if they were trophies. He also mentions uh, he doesn't have anything against Muggleborns. Because Lily was one of his favorite students. And he also mentioned some other famous wizards who have big important jobs that were also Muggleborns. It seems like he knows a lot of intelligent, famous, and or otherwise promising students. And he starts showing Harry photos of these students. One of them is now the editor of the Daily Prophet. One of them is... uh, I believe the owner of Honey Dukes and uh, two of them are like famous Quidditch players. And Harry states to Slughorn, you'd probably be much safer coming to Hogwarts because Dumbledore's there. That's where you're going to be safe. You got all this protection around the school for me and for the students. Plus Dumbledore's there to help you out. Uh, I believe the thing that I was talking about where where Dumbledore warns Harry about Slughorn has not been mentioned yet. But you can see how Slughorn feels about people that might be considered famous or special, right? I kind of remember that. Okay, so the, the idea behind Slughorn is that he is very impressed by someone's notoriety. If you are accomplished or achieved or have a special job or whatever, he wants you to be his student so that he can say, oh yeah, I taught him too. And I taught him and I taught her. And she went on to do this and he went on to do that. Because in his mind, he feels like I had something to do with that. If you went on to great things, then I helped you there. But not only that, he picks people that are likely to go on to great things, almost as if to make it easier for himself. So as so, let's say you were the best Quidditch player in Hogwarts. He might assume, maybe you'll go on to play professional Quidditch. And then if I teach you, I could say, oh yes, I taught the most famous Quidditch player, you know? Hmm. Do you understand his sort of weird point of view? Yeah. Okay. Why do you think Dumbledore wants Harry to be alone with Slughorn to convince him to come to Hogwarts. You basically just said it. You tell me what you think. Of all the people in the world, why is Harry good bait for Slughorn? Because... If Harry is there and tries to convince him, eventually he might want to say, oh, I taught Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry is 
if Slughorn prizes teaching famous witches and wizards, Harry's the ultimate prize. He will undoubtedly, for one reason or another, living or dead, be the most famous Hogwarts student for probably hundreds of years to come, I would imagine. So the temptation to collect Harry as one of his students is too much. Dumbledore shows up and says, All right, sorry to bother you. Horace, we'll be returning to Hogwarts. Let's go, Harry. And what does Horace say? Right as they're about to open the door, he says, Wait, 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 okay, I'll do it. Yeah, he can't resist the temptation. Harry is is the biggest prize you could ever hope for in terms of having taught a famous wizard. So they all leave. Um... When they're leaving, that's right. It's when they're leaving. Uh, they don't leave with Slughorn. Harry and Dumbledore leave. And then he explains his plan. He says, Harry, I expected Professor Slughorn would attempt to collect you. And he explains how he loves to be in the company of famous and successful and powerful witches and wizards. They're his, they're his favorites of his students. So... That's that's where that comes from. But I, I always liked the idea of collect as if it was a trophy or a possession or a trinket when it's really just company with a person. Uh, they apparate together again and arrive at the burrow. Dumbledore tells Harry he should tell Ron and Hermione about the prophecy. Harry's like, what? Yeah, he says, don't keep it a secret. He also says he has a request for Harry for this coming year. Do you remember what it is? No. He wants him to take private lessons from Dumbledore. Mm. He doesn't say in what. He just says private lessons. He has another suggestion for him. What possession does he say he should have with him at all times? The invisibility cloak. That's interesting. It seems like he is saying, like, get ready to be in some danger. Because you might need to vanish at any moment. (laughs) And we know that Dumbledore can just turn invisible. But since no one else ever does it besides Dumbledore, this is another one of those things where you got to assume that because Dumbledore can do it and no one else ever does, it must be really, really hard. Mm-hmm. I don't think Harry keeps the invisibility cloak with him. It's kind of big. Like, it's big enough to hide under. So I don't think he actually has it with him all the time. I don't remember any time where he's just carrying it around. But... I guess we'll see. Chapter five is the grossest title in all the books. An excess of phlegm. (laughs) Harry shows up at the burrow and Mrs. Weasley is there. Tonks is there too. And she sees that Harry has grown a bit and that Ron is also taller. And just sort of points out that she's got this kind of motherly affection, right? Towards Harry. Yeah. Mr. Weasley arrives arrives home from work, but they have a special way of letting him in. Do you remember what they do? Since everything is dangerous now, um, they have to ask each other questions. What was the question before they would let him in the house? What is my favorite kind of jam? Okay, and what is... Who who asks him that? Um, Molly. Okay, and then what's the answer? I believe it's raspberry 
or I, strawberry? What I remember is Molly saying, or maybe, oh, and then and then uh, uh, Mr. Weasley saying, what do you like me to call you when we're all alone? You remember that? Yes. And what was the name? Uh... It's Molly Wubbles. <laughs> and she gets very embarrassed. Mm. Her whole face turns red because she thinks that people can hear. So that's interesting, though. You can't even go to your own home and without someone thinking that you are... Death Eater. In, in disguise, right? Yeah. Arthur has a new job. He is now the head of the Office for the Detection and Confiscation of counterfeit spells and protective objects. That's even a longer name than the muggle thingy. Yeah, the Bureau of Muggle Artifacts or whatever it was. <laughs> um, Harry sleeps that night and then he's woken up by Ron and Hermione and Ginny. Who else is there? There's a new person at the house who is not normally there. Um, Flor Delacour. Why is Flor Delacour, our, tri- our Triwizard Champion from Beaubaton, at the Weasley house. Because she and Bill are engaged. Yeah, they met somewhere. I don't remember where. Bill Bill works at the bank. Uh, yeah, Gringotts. And, yeah. So, and she has a part-time job there, I believe. Oh, okay. So they got engaged. They're going to get married. Everyone's super happy about it, right? Mm, no. What do the girls think? They are all disgusted. They're like, uh Do they... What do they call her? They have a pet name for her. Flim. Flim Delacour. Not, you know what Flim is? No. It's snot. It's snot in your Ew. throat. Like when you go... <laughs> yeah. That's Flim. So that's what Ginny calls her, at least. Uh, Tonks seems like she's in a bad mood. She seems depressed. And Hermione thinks that she's blaming herself for Sirius's death. She's so depressed that she can't even change her shape very well. She's having a hard time with that. Uh, but Fred and George's shop is doing very well, on the other hand. And Harry tells Ron and Hermione about the prophecy. Uh, I think it's Hermione says something like, you know, but the, the prophecy was destroyed before anyone ever got to hear it. And then Harry goes, no, it turns out Dumbledore knew it the whole time. Here's what it is. Do they, I don't remember, do they have any particular reaction to finding out the prophecy that one of them has to kill the other? I don't think so. I don't remember personally. Um, yeah, I honestly don't. So, also one of my notes here says Mrs. Weasley tries to heal Hermione's black eye. How did she get a black eye? They actually they actually show it in the book. Like they talk about it. Um, so um, Hermione notices it looks like um, f- uh, one of Fred and George's tricks. It looks like a telescope, like a tiny telescope. So Hermione picks it up, and then there's a puff of smoke and a bam. And when the when the smoke is gone, um, Hermione's like, "Ow! It punched my eye." Yeah, so they've done a they've invented a trick that gives you a black eye and then it can't be healed. Molly can't seem to figure it out. She's consulting these books and uh it seems like it's a pretty effective prank, right? Maybe it wears off after a certain amount of time. Maybe. Three owls arrive bringing the OWL results 
for the kids. Seems like it would have made more sense to send one owl with three letters. Hermione's like, Hermione is freaking out. Hermione even mentions that she asked McGonagall uh, a pretty unlikely scenario last year. Do you remember what she asked McGonagall? No. What happens if I fail all of my classes? And then she said, well, you know, McGonagall said, well, you'll consult with your head of house. Something like that. But like like, like, her, like Hermione's going to fail, <laughs> right? How are their grades? Hermione got um, all O's except for one E, I believe. O's are outstanding. Yes. She got an E in, in defense against the Dark Arts. Yeah. That's weird. Especially since uh, with all the... Uh, DA stuff. Yeah, the training. But Harry... Harry did well. He thinks as well as could be expected for the kind of year he had. He got one O in defense against the Dark Arts. Sure. But what is he upset about? What He's learned something from his grades that will change his future forever. Do you remember what it is? He's not going to become an Auror. Why can't he pursue becoming an Auror? Because you need to get at least E's in like five different classes. No, there's one in particular. He got a bad grade in potions, and you have to take, which means he can't take potions Potions again. Even if he wanted to. But he needs to take potions this year if he wants to be an or. So he needed to get at least an E or an O. I think he got lower than an E in potions. Because who teaches potions? S- um, Snape. And who hates Harry Potter? Snape. Yeah, and who might also be an evil Death Eater. Snape. (laughs) So it stands to reason. I also believe that in the last book, um, or maybe the one before it even, he he, like tumps Harry's um, sample of his potion over on purpose. He's like, oh, that's another failing grade. Yeah, so we got to fail for that. That's probably what pushed him over the edge to not having good marks. So Snape is almost ensuring that Harry cannot uh, have his dream, right? Which also might be another thing. Aurors fight Death Eaters. Snape may be Death Eater. Yeah, he might not want... That's a really good point. He might not want Harry to be officially against Death Eaters uh, in in a governmental capacity. He might be trying to prevent him from being a threat down the road. So yeah, but he's upset about that. He's... He's not down about it, but he's like, oh, well, I guess it won't be an or. Of course, when you're 16, you kind of change what you want to be every couple of months or couple <laughs> of years. So he, he he might assume that it's early enough that he can find a different job. Maybe not one that he'll like as much. But Chapter 6, Draco's Detour. Uh, Harry stays at the burrow, but Lupin is sort of filling him in on the goings-on in the wizarding world. There have been way more Dementor attacks. Who's found dead with the dark mark over his body? I believe it was either the owner of the ice cream shop or the wand shop. Well, both of those people are mentioned as being missing. Florine Fortescue is missing. Ollivander is missing. Igor Karkaroff was reported, was found dead. He's gone. I wonder who the new headmaster is then. Of that school? Who knows? Uh, what's it called? Durmstrang. Yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing, though. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Durmstrang is taken over by Death Eaters because they were already kind of a dark school run by a former Death Eater. So maybe Durmstrang, because think about this. If there's not that many wizarding schools, it would probably do Voldemort good to control some of them because then he could start teaching the students to be evil, right? Yeah. Teach more people to be loyal to him. So maybe they're controlling Durmstrang. Maybe that's mentioned in the books. I've forgotten if it's mentioned or not. I don't think it is. Uh, Harry gets some interesting news about Quidditch. Do you know what his new position is? Um, he He's like... Um, he's like the captain, I believe. Yeah, he's the captain of the Gryffindor Quidditch team. So that's basically a double prefect. Well, no, because prefect is about school and rank, not about sports. But well, he's happy with this. No, no. I, it actually says in the book, that means, uh, Hermione says, um, that means that you can like use the prefix bathroom and do oh, the Oh, you mean stuff. those privileges. Yes. I see. But it's not... It's not the same kind of rank as being a prefect. It's because one of them deals with sports and one of them deals with being a leader amongst the students in general. They're all leaders. Harry is a leader of Quidditch players, but there's way more students than there are Quidditch players, right? Um, Yeah, but he still gets to do all the prefect stuff. So how is that different from being prefect? I'm trying to explain that it has to do with the responsibilities, not the perks. He is not responsible for leading all the students in his house. He's only responsible for leading the Quidditch players in his house. So instead of having to make his typical trip to Gringotts to get his gold for the year, how does Harry get his money this year? I believe that since Mr. Weasley... Works at, um, wait, no, no, since Bill works at Gringotts, um, Bill just gives it to them. Yeah, this is interesting. He says that it's because of Titan security that he could get it faster than Harry could. But in a muggle bank, no one else can take your money out and just walk away with it. So it's interesting how much trust is put into him, both by the bank and by Harry that he will actually give him his money. Perhaps there is some sort of unbreakable type vow that insists that he give the money to Harry. Otherwise I can't understand why they would allow him to just mull about in Harry's vault and take gold. Plus that vault probably contains all of Sirius's gold now too. So it's probably a much bigger vault than it used to be. Yeah. Um, Unless they just gave Harry like the key to Sirius's vault and didn't put all the money there. It, it's interesting. Um, they get into ministry cars that take them to the Leaky Cauldron where Hagrid is waiting to escort them to Diagon Alley. Uh, it, also interesting to me that they take cars. That seems weird, right? Yeah. Seems like there'd be many other ways. Like a car seems like a muggle thing. Couldn't they do flu powder or just apparate? They could. I'm not really sure. I don't remember that, but that's what my notes say. But I don't really remember if there's any explanation for why they take cars. Hagrid's waiting for them. 
uh, to go to Diagon Alley, and Diagon Alley is full of posters. What do these posters say? It It's something about fudge, I think. No, it's a bunch of posters about security being tighter and also pictures of wanted Death Eaters. Oh. So everyone is being alerted to the fact that these Death Eaters are about and and should be, you know, like they said, people are missing. So they should be careful as they're just going about their shopping. Does it seem like this is the same environment that they're used to being in? No, a lot of the shops are abandoned. Yeah, what else is, what's going on in Diagon Alley now? How does it seem different? It just um, looks really gloomy. It's it's darker and gloomier. There's, there's closed shops. There's, you know, lots of warnings everywhere. It's not the happy place that it has been for Harry in the past. Not everywhere, at least. Uh, before we get into things that are happy, uh, Mrs. Weasley tells Harry, Ron, and Hermione to go with Hagrid to uh, Madame Malkin. Or Madame Malkin's, I guess it's a store. I don't remember. It's a store where you get your robes. Oh, that's place. right. It's the robe place. Yeah. And uh, Mrs. Weasley takes Ginny to Flourish and Blots. And is it the bookstore? Yeah. Okay. At Madame Malkin's, they run into Draco and Narcissa. And do you remember what Draco says? Um, he's like, be careful with those pins, I think. And he says, if you're wondering what that smell is, mother, mudbloods have just entered the store. Something like that. So <laughs> just right out in the open. Um, They get into an argument and it escalates pretty quickly. Do you remember what happens? Um, no. Harry and Hermione and uh, Ron or whoever's with him pull out their wands. They're ready to duel. Draco says something about, you know, his father going to prison because of Harry. Madame Malkin is like, please put, him on your, uh, put, please put away your wands. This well, is a no wand shop or something. Narcissa tells them to put away their wands. And if they attack her son, it'll be the last thing they ever do. Meaning that she will kill them. So, obviously she's not afraid of saying horrible things to children in public. Hey, I've got, I just realized something. What it like if you make an unbreakable vow, like if you're supposed to do something, then what if somebody else does it before you can do it? I would assume if the task is completed, then you are you are relinquished of that vow. Even if somebody else does it? Yeah, like if you tell me you know, you have to paint the house red, unbreakable vow. And then I show up and someone else painted my house red. I bet I don't have to paint on top of it. I bet the vow is satisfied that the house is now red. Like something, it just has to end end up red. Well, the, the event has to occur and the vow says that you will, you know, you will do it. Or at least in this case, Snape's vow said, if Draco can't accomplish this task, I will help him. I would assume that if the task was accomplished by a third party, neither Snape nor Draco, that both Draco and Snape would be absolved of responsibility. Okay. For instance, if the task was to murder Harry Potter and then Harry Potter gets hit by a truck, (laughs) uh, I bet they no longer have to do it. 
Possibly. I don't know. Uh, that does not come up, but that's a very good question. Narcissa tells Harry, being Dumbledore's favorite has given you a false sense of security, and Dumbledore won't always be there to protect you. Uh, Draco is getting fitted for new robes, and he's abusive to Madame Malkin as she sticks him with pins while she's trying to get the height right. Uh, he's, he's, you know, you know, he's not nice to even people that he's paying for their services. They leave, the, the Malfoys leave for business elsewhere. And then Harry and the gang shows up at Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. How do they find the goings-on at the new store? It's the brightest shop in Diagon Alley. <laughs> Diagon Alley, like you said, is a sort of a darker and gl- gloomier place. But Weasley's Wizard Wheezes sort of stands as a bright, shining beacon, right, of, of fun stuff. Yeah, some people actually just stopped and stared. How full is the shop? Very. Yeah, there's a ton of people there. Sells left and right. Uh, they mention all the wonderful things that Fred and George have for sale and uh, have invented as well. There's other stuff that they've you know just sort of stocked in the store that was previously available elsewhere. Uh, they run into Harry, and what offer do they make him? Um, that he that he can like pick out anything in the shop and get it for free. Why do you think they would offer that to Harry? Because uh, they actually say it in the book. It's because um, um, it's because Harry gave them all the money um for the to actually open their shop, and they figure. Um, hey, as long as he's shopping here, um, probably the, um, his next 10, vi- 10 visits will be, um, enough, t- um, like they actually, like he actually paid it. Right. And not only that, but like Harry, they wouldn't have the shop without Harry. Yeah. So I think what they're trying to do is pay him back for his generosity by giving them all that money, which we figured was probably close to about twenty or thirty thousand muggle dollars. But he could literally get everything in the store and everything could be gone in a second. What do you mean? Like if he wanted to get everything in the store, he could. Well, do you think Harry would do that knowing that it would harm his friends? Nobody could. He he could not. Because he would not. That action would be beyond his character. And so I don't believe anyone is afraid of that. They're just trying to say, thank you for being so generous and being such a good friend. Anything in the house is on us. You know, even if it's expensive, you've more than earned it. Uh, As they leave, and again, business is booming. Harry can't even get to the shelves. There's so many people in there. I don't remember if he takes anything, though. I don't think he does. Yeah, I think he appreciates the offer, but I don't remember him actually taking anything. I think he might have took like one thing. Harry, Ron, and Hermione see Draco sort of skulking off in the distance, and they decide to follow him using the invisibility cloak. No matter what he's doing, they assume he's up to no good, right? Yeah. Where does he go? I believe he goes to Nocturne Alley. He goes to Nocturne Alley, and he goes to a store called Borgen and Burks. The (coughs) The only shop that Harry has ever been in. In Nocturne Alley, yeah. And he got there by accident by saying his... Location wrong in the flu, right? Yeah. In book one? Two. Two, okay. So 
at that point, Harry has assumed, oh, Nocturnality is evil. Borgen and Burks is evil. It's run by evil people. Obviously, Draco would be shopping there. But Draco does not seem to be on the same page with Mr. Borgen, who is having a having a heated discussion with. What is Draco insisting of Mr. Borgen? Um, that he fix something. Borgen says it's going to be difficult. And then Draco shows him something to persuade him. But he goes behind the cabinet so he can't see. And he says there'll be retribution if you tell anyone. And then he threatens him. Who does he say will pay him a visit if he doesn't do it on time? Um, I don't know. The werewolf Finrear Greyback. He says he's a family friend and he'll be dropping by to make sure that you finish on time. So he's not only saying get this thing done even though you think you can't, but I'll send a werewolf to beat you up, possibly kill you, if you don't. He also says he needs to reserve something in the store. But we don't know what it is. So we don't know what he needs fixed. We don't know what he shows him. And we don't know what he wants to reserve. Harry and Hermione and Ron don't know any of those things either. So we learn nothing. We learn something, but we learn nothing. Yeah, two steps forward, or one step forward and two steps back, basically. We, we know that we, the audience, know that Draco has been tasked with something from the Dark Lord. Harry doesn't know that yet. We now know that this task probably involves something at a dark shop that sells perhaps illegal or undesirable things. And Hermione has got a plan now. What's Hermione's plan? Um, it's to pretend to be um, to be actually shopping there. And what does Mr. Borgen do? Um, she. Um, her, actually, first, Hermione says um, something like, um, oh, what's, um, is this necklace for sale? And he's like, if you've got like 30,000 galleons or something. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, no. And then she looks at this, um, a skeleton and she's like, um, what about this lovely skeleton? <laughs> <laughs> is it, um, it's not reserved for anybody? And then he starts getting suspicious. Yeah, he sends her away. He's like, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah, she makes up um, a really lame story about her and Draco being friends. Um, and she saw him in there. Um, and she wanted to make sure that if um, there was something that he reserved, um, that she wouldn't pick the same thing. But obviously, then... Um, She's just hoping he's going to go, oh, yes, this uh, murder sword is re- <laughs> has been reserved by Draco Malfoy, but you don't need that because it's already been reserved. But... That plan does not work. Yeah, the thing is, if she picked out something and didn't even say, is this reserved or not, um, then um, if she picked the thing that Draco reserved, um, then, he, um, then Borgen would just say, Oh, no, Draco Malfoy just reserved this. Right, and that's definitely not what happened, and Borgen seems to have understood that he was being played by Hermione, so he does not allow her plan to work, and they leave disappointed. Two things I want to point out about this chapter. One is that Fred and George give Ginny a hard time for already having broken up with her boyfriend from the last book and say that she's moving through boyfriends rather quickly. 
Can you think of any reason why Ginny might not be staying with her boyfriends very long? No. Okay. Secondly, uh, I want to point out that the first time Harry went to Borgen and Burks when he was very young and he knew very little about the wizarding world, <laughs> he assumed I'm in an evil shop. Evil people shop here. They sell evil things, right? Yeah. Does it seem like Mr. Borgen is in service of Voldemort? Maybe, maybe not. I would say that it does not seem like he is in service of Voldemort. Because if Draco was there on order from Voldemort, all he would have to say, he wouldn't have to threaten sending a werewolf to rough this guy up. All he would have to say is, we both work for Voldemort. Voldemort said do this. And the guy would go, right, cool, I'll do that. It's got to be done. Dark Lord says so. But he puts up some resistance. And I think this harkens back to something that Dumbledore told Harry when Harry said he thought he might be evil. Do you remember what he said? Mm-mm. He said, the world is not divided into, what does he say, uh, wizards and death eaters, Harry. That, that there is good and bad in everyone. So perhaps places like Borgen and Burke's are on the badder side, but they are not agents of Voldemort, right? Right. So something to think about going forward is Voldemort is going to be trying to change people's minds to get them on his side. Like, for instance, he wanted the giants on his side. Yeah. He seems to have succeeded. Do you think he will have a harder time or an easier time with people like Giants and Borgen and Burks and all them? Harder? No, do you think he will have a harder or easier time getting them on his side? Oh, easier. Why? Because they're already partly bad. They're inclined towards darkness, right? Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see in the chapters to come who starts to really plant a firm allegiance. Because right now, there are people like Slughorn, who is basically good, but mentions flat out that he won't join the Order and that he doesn't want to be involved in a war with... Voldemort, right? Yeah. And then there are people like Borgen and Burke who seem to be kind of bad. But not totally evil completely. Not in service to the Dark Lord. Yeah. A day is coming very shortly where all of these people will have to choose a side. You will not be able to be mostly good, but I'll stay out of it. Or I'm kind of evil, but I'll stay out of it. There won't be any staying out of it when the whole wizarding world is at war, right? Yeah. Okay. What do you want to say? Um, also, the part about Ginny moving through boyfriend's Yes. Um, did you have any ideas about that? Well, I do, but I've also finished the entire series, so I have... Do you have anything that's not a spoiler? Perhaps she is not satisfied with the caliber of boyfriend that she's had, or perhaps she's only dating some of these guys because they're interested in her 
but she might not necessarily be interested in them. Mm. Maybe she's interested in somebody else. I don't know. The next chapter on our next episode. I already know about that one. (laughs) Well, then maybe you do know. When we come back for our next episode, we will start with chapter seven, the slug club. What do you think a slug club is? Something that probably involves Horace Slughorn. I would think so. I bet it's not a club of slugs or a club where everyone likes (laughs) slugs. Knowing what we know about Horace Slughorn, what do you think the slug, slug club might be about? What does he like? He... He likes fi- he likes teaching famous people. Okay, so what do you think a slug club could be? It could be a group of really good or advanced kids, or maybe already famous like Harry, um, that he's just like in favor of. Sure, it very well could be. What position? Have we said yet what position Slughorn has been hired to teach? Defense against the dark arts. Do you know what position he used to teach? Potions? Yes. That's interesting. Because who teaches potions but wants to teach defense against the dark arts? Arts. So the last thing I will say that I find interesting about these chapters, you've got a guy who you're bringing to your school to teach defense against the dark arts, but who is famous for potions. And you have a guy who teaches potions, but he's been there for 20 years and he really wants to teach defense against the dark arts. Uh, I wonder if it'll stay that way. That probably means it doesn't. I don't know. I guess we'll see. You do know we don't. I don't know anything. For Potter and Daughter, uh, I'm Joel Watson, and uh, who are you? Maybe Lily Watson. And I thank you for listening. Uh, Please do take uh, a moment of your life and leave us a positive review on iTunes. I'm certain it would help more people find the show. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash hijinksensue, H-I-J-I-N-K-S, E-N-S-U-E, and throw in one, two, three, five dollars a month, whatever you can do to support us and the show and making creative things for a living. And uh, thank you to Harry and the Potters for their song, This Book is So Awesome, which we use as our theme song with their permission. Yes, Lily. I've also actually wondered, um, did you like email them on Facebook or something? I emailed them on email, yes, and they said it was okay. So... Thank you <laughs> to them. <laughs> but you listen to them now, right? You listen, to, you listen to covers of their songs by other bands more than you listen to them, I think. I do listen to them, though, yes. We might, we might do a bonus episode when this is all done about Wizard Rock and some of the music you listen to. And also our trip to Wizarding World. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we feel like speaking after that happens. We might be too tired to, to comprehend life at that point. What? I don't know. Anyway... Thanks for listening. Uh, Good episode? Great episode. All right. Can I have a normal high five for once? There we go. All right. Thank you. Bye. This book is so awesome.